So great to be here. Uh, if you don't know, my name's Az. I'm the location pastor here. And um, what a powerful story for the Broodericks. You know, this having, you know, all the family here. I know for myself, I grew up in a church in Toowoomba. And my entire family went every week. My grandparents, my parents, my cousins, we all sat in the same row. Does anyone do that here with a fam? There's a couple of fans like that. Well, the kids are like, see you later. I'm off, right? And um, my dad would clap really loudly. He had a special, like, I call it like the machine gun clap. Beck just did it right there. And um, he kind of did, it was like lightning. Like that. And he'd throw his arms in the air and he'd worship and I'd go, I love that about Dad. <laughs> Sometimes I'd be a little bit embarrassed, but that's all right. But, you know, we really dream that this church is always a place for the generations. That there will never ever be a time in your life as a family where you come to this church and go, there's not a space for one of my family members. That no matter what age, you know, there's a place for you and... We're talking about our legacy series, and June 13, we will be taking up an offering, and I shared last week about that offering, and I actually shared a quote um, which says, blessed is the person who plants trees under whose shade they will never sit. And I just want to say, you know, we mentioned it last week, we are sitting under the shade of 23 years of people that have sowed seed, have done incredible things in this church, and it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, um, you know, our faith for this uh, legacy uh, period is we want to raise $100,000 if you missed it last week. $100,000 will go into our current home upgrades. I know that Andy, our sound guy, is very excited about that because the whole thing's being held together by gaff tape. And uh, that's just one thing. But our dream is, that in the next 18 to 24 months, we will have our own home. You know, I just just believe wholeheartedly that this is the time. This is the time for our church. And for some of you, you might have maybe some things that come up in your mind about that. Oh, they're talking about buildings. Why do church always want a building? You know what? It's actually about stewardship. It's stewardship. It's actually going, you know what? I'm not paying off someone else's mortgage. Because in 30 years' time, when we might have been gone and there's kids, kids, kids through here, they're not having to pay off a mortgage because it's done. And they can just get on with the job that Jesus has called them to. That's the dream. That is the absolute dream. And I mentioned last week, if you're in real estate world, um, you know, at the moment for residential, it's through the roof costing. But for commercial, it's cheap different world we live in. This is the time to strike. I just believe wholeheartedly that as a church, this, this legacy series is the first step and we want to encourage you to be part of it. Um, we're talking about generosity throughout this entire series. Um, last week, I, t- I sort of touched on the tithe and um, I've got a scripture here to remind us of the tithe. I know that there's a whole bunch of things. If you want to listen to the podcast, I'd encourage you to do it because I'm not going to go through everything I went through last week. We're going to extend, but um, in Malachi, it talks about testing God in the tithe, bringing your first, bringing your 10% and allowing God to flow open the floodgates, allowing God to show up in your life, allowing you to be blessed because you put him first. You know, there's something that I learned from a very young age as a kid. Hey, tithe, just give of 10% of what you have and trust God to come through. And he's come through so many times for me. So many times. I can talk about this for hours and I'm not going to today because you want to leave. And so I do want to, though, tap into the freedom that comes with learning the joy of letting God take control of your life. I'll say it again, the freedom that comes with learning the joy of letting go of your life and letting God take control. This is one of the most powerful things you can learn as a follower of Jesus. I want to go a little bit deeper into this today because um, when it comes down to it, I think a lot of us say that we want to give God our all, but when it comes to our finance, we say that's as. 
that's our bit. Like, we're holding on to that. And maybe it's because we, in our current time, um, if you, anyone own a business here? Anyone own a business? Business owners? Put up here. Anyway, okay, who works here? Okay, because someone's running a business somewhere, right? And so some of you are like, I'm on the dole, thanks, ScoMo. And so that's okay too, uh, I suppose. Uh, but here's the thing. The reality is at some stage there was someone who decided to get it done and start something, to build something so you could have a job. And in our day and age, there's language like you just got to hustle. You know, you just got to hustle, work hard. You know, you got to be smart. You got to be creative. You got to get out there and work really, really hard for your money. Then you get your money. Then you got to invest your money. And there's this kind of attitude that that's what you're supposed to do. Get on that treadmill of life and just start running. And then eventually you retire and hopefully you can enjoy some years. But that's what the world says. And you know, at the end of the day, I have no actual problem with making money. I don't think God has an issue with making money either. In fact, through Scripture, time and time again, we don't see any issue with God letting us make money and seeing wealth in our life. I know from a very young age, I've always had businesses. Always. In primary school, I had businesses. Seriously, I remember one year, about grade four, my dad came home with one of those foam gliders. Has anyone had one of those? You pop them out and put them together, your foam glider. My dad gave it to me from Toy World, an 80-cent glider. And I was like, there's money to be made. My dad's like, what? And I said, can we go down to the craft shop? Okay, son. Little, you know, grade four kid, all right, maybe 10 years of age. I went and bought massive balsa wood sheets and literally used it as a template and carved out my stack flat packs of these gliders, sold them to every kid in primary school until one got caught on a roof and that shut it down. But the thing is, I've, I've always just loved making and, and doing business. I love that sort of thing. It's something God has placed in me, just entrepreneurial kind of stuff. Um, from everything, in high school, it was always like, you know, in primary school, like from trading those wood gliders to selling lollies out of my locker. I, um, we didn't have a tuck shop at my school. I saw an opportunity, and those prices were jacked up. And, um, you know, we, me and my best mate, I was kind of the short, fat kid. He was the tall, fat kid. And we had access to three corner stores on our way to our bus stop, all right? And so we would constantly be looking for opportunities. And we'd literally buy in bulk and then sell out of our lockers. And we used to love it. We also did a whole bunch of different businesses, Jag and I, once we decided to make handmade rubber band guns. But they were illegal at school. So I sold the guns, he sold the rubber bands. I know nothing. But here's the thing, like I just used to work really, really hard. I think the, the number one moneymaker thing for me in primary school, I will never forget this. Actually, it was in high school, junior high. Uh, Jag and I both got our first jobs, probably 14 years of age. And Jag was working at Silly Solids. Anyone, Silly Solids, $2 shop, you know. And um, he's working at Silly Solids. I was working at a Sizzler at the time. And one afternoon, he calls me on my very first mobile phone. Ericsson 810T or whatever. Oh, yeah, block of a phone. Hello, Jack. Because where are you? This is about four in the afternoon. Where are you? I said, at home. He goes, get here now. I said, what do you mean? He goes, dude, I'm at Silly Solis. I've just been told by the manager to clear out the entire stock of shells of Easter eggs from the Easter weekend. I'm loading them up into garbage bags. One dollar a bag. Get down here. I don't know if that's insider trading. I don't know. I was there, I mean, it was about a 10-minute walk. I was there in five minutes flat. First time I ever ran, I think, as a child. And so I got there, and we literally, with about 10 bucks, I bought the whole shop out. 
I did. Bought the whole shop out. I had my dad pick them up at the back of the Silly Sollies at the end of the day. And I filled up my bedroom with Easter eggs. Had the air conditioning running because didn't want them to melt. And can I tell you, that $10, we turned a profit. Well, I mean, there was hundreds of dollars in each of those bags out of the... I mean, it was the best. Every afternoon after school, open up the locker, what do you want, cream eggs? You know, like, it was just... Money was being made. My parents probably always just like, what is with our son? I just always, I mean, we never had pocket money. I came, I've mentioned it before. My family wasn't a very well-to-do family. So, you know, I think that also led me to be creative. And um, sometimes we underestimate why we go through certain experiences, but God's actually trying to give us an opportunity. And, um, you know, and sometimes when we look at these sort of situations, um, some of us receive or hear stories like this and we go, was that, as taking an opportunity, was that God's provision? <clears throat> Interesting. Think about that. Was that God providing for a kid or was that as working really hard? And I want to talk about that today because there's a tension with that question. There's a real tension with that question. We saw an opportunity and we took it. I could convince myself that I had a brilliant brain, that I was awesome and I made it and got it done. And every kid got diabetes, you know. So I could convince myself that I was providing. However, I know from a young age, every time a moment like this happened, I'm so thankful for my faith-filled parents because they would always remind me of God's provision. How good's that? How good's that? God just hooked you up. And it was just that understanding that it was God's provision. You know, in life, it's the way we see things that's very important. You will either see them through the lens of look what I did or look what God did. I believe wholeheartedly that when you have the vision that God gave me this, it's a gift, it's very easy to give it back. It's actually what, that's what releases you. Because you have a perspective that God has provided it. Hey, if I bring a little back, it's not an issue. Because God gave it to me anyway. It's a gift. Do you have spiritual eyes to see God at work in your life? It's a challenge for us today. Some people might look at my life, Beck's life, and say, oh, you're just really lucky. Others might say, you're really blessed. Others might say, as you work really hard and you're experiencing the result of that. I believe wholeheartedly, though, when you receive Christ as your Lord and Saviour, there is a blessing that comes with that. And I want to open up to some scripture right now, and it's a story that we don't often read, we don't often talk about, but in Matthew 17, 24 to 26, it says this. It's just a little story that I think gets forgotten. But I want to show us how Jesus gives some insight to him being the provider. It says this, After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma, temp, uh, sorry, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? And Peter says, Yes, he does. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. And he says to Simon Peter, and his wife says Simon, he goes, Hey, uh, Simon, from who do you think the kings of earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? And Simon responds, from others. 
And then Jesus goes, so then the children are exempt. And uh, then he says this to Simon. He goes, but so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and for yours. Okay, I'm going to read it again. And I want you to really focus in on what's going, here, going on here in this scripture. So here they are. They're at the temple. The guys that need the little fee to come to the temple said, doesn't your you know, teacher pay the temple tax? Peter says, yes, he does. Peter comes into the house and Jesus says, what do you think? From who do the kings of earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? And Peter responds, from others. And he says, so then the children are exempt. But so they may not cause offense, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first uh, fish you catch, open its mouth, find four drachma coin, take it and give it to them for my tax and for yours. What a simple story. Such a simple story. It seems like a tiny blessing. But can we think about the ramifications of what's going on? Can you imagine Peter, right? He goes in the temple, there's just a fee. Jesus has maybe forgotten to pay it. And they've gone, hey, doesn't your teacher pay it? Like, you're a disciple of his, doesn't he pay it? Goes in, Jesus, we need to pay that tax. And he's like, yeah, 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 I understand that. He's like, um, do you think the kings that take the tax, do you reckon their kids pay for it? And Peter's like, no, others pay for it. And he's like, that's right. He goes, go down, throw a line in. Can you imagine Peter going down to the lake? Going, are you serious? Are you serious, Jesus? He says, we don't want to cause offense, so just go down to the lake. Um, just go down to the lake, throw in your line. There's going to be a fish, the first fish you catch. I wonder if Peter was thinking, how long am I going to sit here for? This could take me days, hours, who knows? And a fish hooks on his line, he reels it in, he's like, it can't be. Opens a fish's mouth and there's a four drachma. He goes into the temple and he says to the guys, here you go. They have no idea what's just happened, but Peter is like, who has control over everything like that? He has control of creation, the fish that's going to get caught on the line to provide the thing for the taxes. And what Jesus is saying, hey, the king's kids don't have to pay. I'm the, my dad is the king of kings. He's going to look after me, his son. But I love this moment because he doesn't just look after Jesus, his son. He indicates to Peter, by the way, you're a son as well. You're a son as well. I'm not going to provide just for my son, Jesus, but I'm going to provide for the new sons as well. I'm in control of everything. You think that you know how to get things done? Peter, let me show you how powerful I really am. Mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. If you've never heard this, this could change your life in regards to being a son of God. If you don't know that God is a good father, we talked, we sung about it. He's a good father. He's a good dad. He provides for his kids. But we do have to trust him. Galatians 4, 4 to 7 unpacks this being a son. It says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if, the, if a son, so hear this, if you're a son, 
You are now an heir through God. This revelation is so incredibly powerful. You need to understand when you say, Jesus, I'm following you, you're not just following him, you're part of his family. And his dad and dad looks after his kids. Dad looks after his kids. You know, this, this passage, it really just comes down to how much do we trust God? How much do we trust God? I'll put it another way. When it comes to our finance and giving, if you can figure it out and budget it, I don't know if you're stepping out in faith. I think you're stepping out in control. You are actually being God. But God, when he comes into our world, he wants to flip everything on its head. He wants to challenge us, how much do you trust me? When I was 19, and I know this is such an interesting topic because you're like, hang on, as like, do we have to budget? Yes, we have to do our best. But there's a point in your faith life where you have to get to where you go, God, I trust you no matter what. I trust you no matter what. Beck mentioned it before. Go home and pray about what he's asking you to do because trust me, God will not ask you to do what he asks me to do because he is a unique individual God. He is not a one-size-fits-all. He knows you, and he will challenge you, and how you respond to that challenge is up to you. When I was 19, I started to learn this because I wasn't giving in a church at 19. I, in fact, had been burned by church at about 17, walked away from God, and then I got a job in Christian radio here at Brisbane on 96.5. And I was 19 years of age and um, was pretty like just, I just want to be famous. I want to be like a radio announcer. I want to grow that career. That's what I want to do. And I wasn't giving to a church. I wasn't involved in a church at that time. And the first moment where I believe wholeheartedly God challenged me to do something in the place of generosity was at that radio station. I actually got challenged to sponsor a child through Compassion Australia. Seriously, a guy came into my studio, I was spruiking, helping kids in poverty for three hours and about half an hour before the end of my shift, I turned off my microphone and this guy goes, do you sponsor a kid? I'm like, nah. I'm like, I don't believe in it. And he goes, as I want to challenge you, he said, you need to help the poor. Do something for someone who could never do something back. Why don't you step out and actually sponsor a kid? And I could tell you now, my wage was so rubbish that I couldn't afford that sponsored child. And he kept on bombarding me, and I said, fine, I'll do it. I'll sponsor a child. I sponsored a kid at the end of that night, and I thought, wow, okay, 40 bucks a month or whatever it was, and I thought, this is going to be a stretch. And it stretched me that entire year. I think as an unorganized 19-year-old, the amount of times at the time when that 40 bucks came out, I'd go into my account and go, not again! You know, like, why? Like, literally, it was an absolute stretch for me as a 19-year-old kid. When I was 20, exactly a year later, the same guy came to the studio to help Compassion. You should sponsor another kid. And I'm like, I can't possibly. But I got a little wage increase in that time, and I decided to step out in faith. I thought, fine, I'm going to sponsor another kid. I sponsored this little girl named Venice in Kenya. 
And I remember thinking, this is pretty amazing that I get to be part of these kids' lives. That's, that's pretty amazing. And at that moment, I feel like, you know, I talk about hearing from God a bit when I'm here. When I say hearing from God, something stirs within your spirit. You're a soul, you're a spirit. There is a stirring that happens. And something stirred within me at that point. I still wasn't part of a church at that stage, still trying to figure out where I was at with God. But something was stirring with me. I always followed Jesus, but the church thing I wasn't sure about. And something stirred within me. And it was like, as I want you to sponsor another one every year. Every year. And I was like, I can hardly afford this second one. But I knew there was something in that moment. It was like it was such a strong conviction dropped into my spirit. And I was like, okay, okay, God, cool. And so another year goes by. The guy comes back the third year. And he says, do you want to sponsor another kid? And I was like, no. I didn't have the faith. Because my wage hadn't gone up. I had more stresses. I had my. I just knew. I was just so stressed about it, and I said, "No, I'm not going to do it." But everything in me knew I was supposed to sponsor a third kid. I knew it because God speaks to us if we allow Him. And so I remember literally writing it off. A whole year goes past again. I don't sponsor a third kid, but I go to Hillsong Conference in the fourth year. And I'm walking around and there's this sort of, you know, all these just displays, different organizations that, you know, Hillsong's getting behind. Compassion's there. And in that time, I'd had a tiny increase that year. Tiny increase. And I walked in, I'm like, this is my time to go to three. I'm going to sponsor another kid. So I sponsored this little girl in India and I remember feeling pretty chuffed. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. I got three kids. I'm like 22 years of age. I've got three kids. No wife, three kids, you know. Uh, And so I remember going and thinking like, yeah, yeah, I've got three kids. And I walked straight into a massive auditorium where 20,000 odd people are. And as I walk in, it just happens that the compassion moment is happening on the stage. I think it was Darlene Check was up there and she was spruiking and talking about helping kids. And everything in my spirit just started to ping as you're supposed to have four. And I'm like, I can't. God, I can't. There's no way I can do four. I've just figured out three. I can't do four. And I'm sitting there and my heart is pounding. And I just knew that I knew it as you're supposed to have four. I've asked you one every year. And so I'm there going, no, no, no. And they're walking around the auditorium with these pamphlets going, sponsor a child who would like a child. And I'm sitting there going, no way. And I'm like, Fine, and I grab this kid off this lady, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh my gosh, am I really doing this? And on each profile, it has their name, and I go, oh, this kid, he's from Brazil, his name's Christian, and I turn over the profile, because there's information about his age, and where he's born, and all this, he has my birthday. He has my birthday. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, thank you thank you. He had my birthday. And I was like, how can he have my birthday? And I, I honestly was still freaking out. I, I remember going back to my hotel that night and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to pay for these two extra kids. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. God, I don't know how to pay for it. I went to sleep and for the next night, that eight hours, God downloaded business ideas constant business. Like it was just like my brain. Just, I woke up, I wrote them all down. One was for a t-shirt. Picture of it. I went and got my mate to print it. It was a a random shirt. It literally said, 4114 Woodridge Pride. (laughs) And you're like, 
why would God do that? So I got home and I'm like, why would I, why have I printed, I'm, like, I'm living in Woodridge at the time, I'm like, so dumb. But I had, I just had this idea, do this shirt. And then I drove past the Woodridge State High School, like a day later, and I saw out the front, it said, all for one, one for all, the postcode. And I thought, that's interesting. And so I wore my shirt into the front office of this school. Walked in, I didn't even know who to talk to. This is literally a week after Hillsong. And I'm standing there, because my mate ran a printing thing, and, and I'm standing there, and this guy walks out and he goes, that's an awesome shirt, where'd you get that from? And I said, I made it. And he goes, I want to order 250. He goes, how much are they? I said, I don't know, I just literally made up a number. $2,500 profit in a two-minute conversation. Now, here's the thing. I was like, that's pretty wild. I was like, okay. So I had to get the printing going. And the guy who saw it was the principal. He wanted to leave a legacy for his kids and just wanted to buy them. Just blew the budget. But at the same time, I still wasn't, I wasn't thinking about my sponsor kids at that time that that God was providing because I actually didn't have the spiritual eyes to see it. I was like, how clever am I? How good am I? I had this great idea. I'm the man. Because that's what happens. That's exactly what happens when it comes to our life. God provides and we just start to rationalize at how good we are instead of saying, God, how good are you? And so another week passes by and then I started stressing about these sponsor kids again because I can't afford them. And a mate of mine is South Bank Cinemas. Like he goes, let's go see a movie. So I go down to South Bank Cinemas and um, I actually started to stress about the kids thing because it was coming up to the time where the money was coming out of my account. And I hadn't got the two and a half grand yet. And it was sort of like, oh my goodness, how am I going to pay for these kids? And I remember my mate, he's like, I'll pay for you because I said, I have no money. He's like, I'll pay for you. And so I'm at the cinema and he's like, I'm going to go get some popcorn or whatever. So we're waiting in the line for the snack bar. We're chatting about all sorts of things. And a girl out of nowhere comes up behind me, taps me on the shoulder and I go turn around. And um, I had massive dreadlocks back then, all right? So you just got to picture ads a bit different, okay? And, um, and so, you don't believe me? It's true. And so this girl taps me on the shoulder. I turn around. She goes, excuse me, what do you do? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, what do you do? And I said, I'm a radio announcer, actually. I work on the radio. And she goes, yeah, I thought you might have been in media. I'm sorry, what? Who, who are you? She goes, I know this is really weird, but my dad runs a voiceover company and he's trying to find a new voice for Domino's Pizza. I think you're the voice. And I'm like, huh? She goes, it's all the on hold stuff. Here's his card if you're interested. Give him a call. She just takes off. My mate Ash Noodle is like, what the heck was that? I go, I don't know. We watched the movie. The next day I caught up this dude. He was down the south side of Brisbane, down Browns Plains, where I had a studio, rocked up, read a script. And he goes, you're the new voice of Domino's Pizza. I said, what? Like, literally, it was like, at Domino's, we use the freshest ingredients. <laughs> Try our new seven meats pizza. You know, so this is... And so I'm, like, literally going, this is most ridiculous. I go, what does that mean? He goes, you work in a studio, right? I said, yeah, I work in a studio. He said, I'm going to send you a script every six weeks. You just read the script. It's all on hold when you get put on hold. He goes, you read the script, send it back to me in an MP3, and I'll pay you. And he told me how much he was going to pay me. And it paid for exactly the two new kids for the next three years and the extra kids. 
for a period that I was the Domino's voice here and in New Zealand. And I went, God, you can't make this stuff up. You can't. That's what it looks like to step into a place of faith with finance. And I just want to just challenge us today. You know, in that season, God drew my attention to a scripture in the Psalms. Psalm 24 simply says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And he has established it on the seas and established it on the waters. I remember this moment because I just sponsored these kids. I just got this Domino's contract. And I was reading my scripture. I was just in the, in the word. You know, you know that God's speaking when you're in the word. I'll say it constantly. Read your word every day. God wants to speak. You're like, God never speaks to me. Do you ever open his word? Because that's how he speaks. It's a living word. And this scripture just stood off the page. Every, you know, the, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And it was like the Holy Spirit said to me, as what does that mean to you? I said, God, you own everything. <clears throat> that's right, as. They're my kids. I provide for my kids through this sponsoring. I provide for my kids. Would you just be the vessel? You know, this journey of generosity has been a really interesting one for me. It's been solid 18 years now. The more I let go, the more God shows up. In ways you can't explain. I could share story after story. You just go, you can't make that up. You just cannot make that up. This week, my challenge to us all is to have a look at our life and ask ourselves where we believe our blessings are coming from. Do you have eyes to see that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it? Or are we the gods of our own universe? You know, I often think about, you know, the massive moments in the Bible we hear about provision. We, when you talk about Jesus and provision, we don't talk about a coin out of a fish's mouth. We always go 5,000 fed, 4,000 fed, Jesus. Here's an interesting thought. For probably 4,995, or 4,990 at least, they just got free food. They didn't see the miracle. They were like, oh, free food. Go listen to Jesus, free food. Jesus kept doing it. You know, he turns water into wine. People are drinking the best wine they've ever had. Um, most of the people at the party just had good wine. For those who were close to Jesus, though, they saw the miracle. Hear that? For those who were close to Jesus, they saw the miracle. They saw the provision. Everyone else, free food. Sweet. I think sometimes even in this church, you know, maybe you come here and you go, I love this church. You always do free food. By the way, free food is provision because God's provided a miracle in someone's life and they've brought it back to God and God's now blessing you. And you can be part of it part of blessing others and allowing God to do incredible stuff. That's why I say tithe. I've never met a person that's tithe that's gone without. I honestly haven't. Being someone who's just said, I put God first and God just comes through. 
He just comes through. So I was talking to a member of our church just yesterday, and he said, as now with tithing in my life, I can't not tithe. I just never not tithe because I've just seen God show up way too often. You know, for me, generosity actually started with a sponsor child with compassion because I wasn't part of a church. Then I got connected in a church, actually nine years. I was nomadic, moved nearly every year for work for about seven years. And so sponsoring kids was always my thing with God. It's like, I'm always putting you first, God. I just, I just want to, you know, this is what I'll do and I'll do that. And then I rocked up at a church that I called my home, Gold Coast Elevation. First time in close to a decade ago, this is home. And then when I realized it was home, I wanted to invest in my home because I wanted to be part of the family. See, when you're part of a household, everyone brings something to the household. It's actually your home. So when we talk about legacy, it's about your home. If you don't call this home, just feel whatever. But if you're part of this home, what are you going to bring to contribute? And I remember thinking, I want to tithe now. I really want to give here. And it was a massive challenge. I remember sitting down with Ross Abraham and saying, Ross, I've got a tribe of kids. We're really stretched financially. What do I do? I don't know how to tithe and that. And he said, just start with 1% as. He just said, start with something small. He said what I said to you guys. And I was like, that released something on me. It was like, this is not about legalism. It's about God sees your heart. And so I was like, thank you, Ross. And I remember we did. We started small and then we got to a point where we tithed. As well as the kids. You see, when generosity happens in your life, God will constantly stretch you. He will never leave you in the same place, ever. If you've done it before, it's not faith. If you've done it before, it's not faith, because you've already figured that out. So he stretched me again, okay, tithing, okay, and then legacy came about at Elevation up there, and God says, go again. God has stretched me in so many areas of my life. He's like, give away a car, give away another car. Okay. He will keep stretching you until he knows he has your heart. Maybe the stretching for you is not actually even financial. Maybe it's actually the way you serve in this church. Maybe you serve on conditions. You serve to a place of comfort. You're like, well, that's mine. But God's like, would you let go of something? Would you stretch in your giving of time? Would you allow me to? You know, the truth is, if you're seeking the kingdom of God, first and foremost, if you're truly in pursuit of Him and all that He has for you first, the other stuff just gets added to your life. It does. It'll keep getting added and you'll just keep bringing it back because you just know the joy of giving. Luke 16, 10, we mentioned it last week. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with very much. I believe on June 13, God's going to do something amazing here because we're actually going to be obedient and just allowing God to go, okay, stretch me, God. As I said, God's not going to ask you what he's asked me. You're on a journey. He will grow you. You know, even for me this week, I was prepping this message and I knew it was on provision, on God coming through. And Beck and I had an auction yesterday. And we've been praying for the sale of our home because we want to move up here for you guys, right? And um, 
And all week I've been having these, these conversations with a real estate agent. We've got a really hot buyer from here. And there's like five that were like looking pretty red hot. And uh, everything was like, okay, we're going to sell this thing. This is going to be great. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, God, maybe we'll sell. And I'll get up there and I'll be like, look, God came through again. Yesterday, we did not have one bidder. Everyone fell over. Not one bidder. My agents apologized. I'm so sorry. And it was so cool because God just dropped in my spirit. As am I still enough. And he is. He's good. And God will do what he needs to do at exactly the right time. He will do it. I'm still believing for a miracle. But you know what? His timing is always different to ours. Always different. If you think giving is going to get you a return on investment instantly, and if you don't try, because if this is what we do with our faith, we go, I tried the God thing. I didn't get what I wanted. Zane's like, I'm with you. <laughs> At the end of the day, honestly, church, Jesus is enough. He's enough. You cannot put a price on your eternity. If you have Jesus, you have everything you need. I believe it. And that gift is free. It'll cost you nothing to receive that free gift that Jesus brings and gives. You know, in Ephesians 3, the apostle prays for the church of Ephesus. And as I was reading this prayer, I, I found myself going, oh, wouldn't that, I just, I can see why, you know, Paul's writing this and I'm just like, wow, could I write this? And I want to write something like this for our church. And I love the way he speaks it. He's this, he goes, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Get that? You're part of the family. Your name is God's name. Every name comes from him. If you follow him, it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Ha, huh. that's enough. It's my heart's desire for this prayer. Like, honestly, it's my heart's desire and prayer for this church. That more than anything, maybe you'll make a sacrifice this year. And maybe you'll be obedient and maybe something will come your way. Maybe the car will break down the next day and you start to go, well, what's that all about? I've had these moments. God, what do you mean? You call the church refund. <laughs> Sally won't answer. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. Anyway. <laughs> it's all about Jesus. You know, this passage goes on, it says this, and I think it's so powerful, church. Now to him who is able 
to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is, in, is at work within us. To Him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Notice that statement, throughout all generations. That's what legacy is about. That once we're gone, once you're gone, there'll still be a church here. And people will still be saying, if everything falls away and things don't work out, I've still got Jesus. I've still got Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others, and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au.